All right, what's going on, guys? Hope everyone's doing well. Welcome back to the Run Free Podcast. And we got a special one for you guys today. We have Run Free coach and professional athlete Paige Stoner on the line with us. Paige, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you. Paige is fresh out of Syracuse University, where she won five uh, ACC titles, is a five-time All-American, and she basically didn't share any school records with any of her teammates while she was at Syracuse, running the 10K in 3207, 5K in 1528, and the 3K steeplechase in 939. And Paige is currently running for Reebok, and she is based in Charlottesville, although she is home now, and I assume, Paige, that is back in Pennsylvania. Am I correct on that? Yes, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Nice. Well, Paige, you gotta you gotta help me out here because I am super curious. Um, I understand you're into surfing, is that right? <laughs> um, yes, I've only surfed a handful of times and obviously, you know, being from middle of Pennsylvania, I didn't really have the opportunity much growing up. But the handful of times that I have gotten to get out there, I just absolutely love it and it's something that Anytime I'm at the beach, I, I try to run a board and get out there and improve. Nice. Yeah, I was curious about that. I was like, how does someone from rural Pennsylvania get into surfing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what part of Pennsylvania are you from? Because I've been to uh, Liberty, Pennsylvania, where I spoke at Liberty Church. Shout out to those guys. We also have a church in Lynchburg if you guys are looking for a good church in Pennsylvania. But what part of uh, Pennsylvania are you from? I'm from Pottsville, which is about two hours northwest of Philadelphia. Okay, nice. Nice. So is it turned to spring there? Is it still chilly? Um, The last couple days have been really nice, um, but the month of April was pretty cold from what my parents have told me. So it's just... Uh, okay. Nice. Well... I thought it'd be really interesting for people who are trying to like understand what it might look like to be a pro runner. So you're just came out of college. You've spent a year now out of college. What does, I'm curious about this myself. What does a day in the life of Paige look like from the time you get up? Like what's your morning routine um, practice? And let's go back to like pre quarantine when you're meeting up with your team and training with other folk. Like what's a, what's a day in the life of Paige look like? Yeah, so our team meets five days a week. Um, We don't meet on Thursdays or Sundays. Thursdays, um, we're free to, well, normally on Thursdays before quarantine, we would all, like, some of us would, you know, just text each other to still meet up in the morning, and then we would meet as a team at one of the local coffee shops and just kind of all have some time to hang out and talk, and, like, we need to communicate anything with the coaches. They're both there. Um... And then Sundays are, you know, our real easy day that we're just on our own. But the other days of the week, we have a small kind of storage unit that we <laughs> we meet in. It's our headquarters, but um, they fix the place up a bit. And, like, we have a couch and um, some mats in there to do core when we're done running. So we'll meet there and um, for our, our easier days of the week, which is usually Monday and Wednesday. And then Tuesdays and Fridays, we'll either be at the University of Virginia track or out on one of the many dirt roads here doing some longer stuff. Um, so yeah, we'll usually meet like between nine, nine thirty, And then um, after that, I might spend a little bit of time at the gym, just kind of working on some different strength stuff or stretching. Um, then in the afternoon, I would either just be relaxing and recovering. I was doing some substitute teaching before this all started. Uh, so I was substituting at a school that was K through eight. So that was a lot of fun. Just kind of getting to teach with all the different age groups there. My degree at Syracuse was in education and psychology. So it was kind of nice just getting to use that a little bit. Um, Because when I first got here in September, I was really shocked. Just I thought I would be fine having tons of free time. And I thought I would love it. And pretty quickly, I realized like, wow, my, my college schedule, you know, kept me really busy. And I really just found I, I needed something else, just a few days a week to kind of give me a little something more to do. Um, and then usually I'm running about 80 miles a week. So I was doubling either four or, five, or sorry, three or four days a week. Usually I would do like a 
30 minute run in the afternoon and yeah, pretty much my day. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like the pro runner day for sure. I'm glad you mentioned like having that excess time and um, figuring out what to do with that excess time. I remember when I was coming out as a pro runner, that was also like really weird going from college life where like you're saying, you're just running all over the place, super busy, having to be really like thoughtful with your time. And then all of a sudden it's like, I have like the whole day to like just run a couple times a day and then you're spending a lot of time hanging out. So that's cool. You got into sub teaching. What, what subject were you teaching there? Was it, you said it's K through eight. So I guess it was just like the full day on uh, the class, right? Yeah. And it was a Montessori school, which I didn't have any of my placements while I was at Syracuse. I never worked in a Montessori school. So that was brand new to me and it's kind of unique the way they do things there. So, um, yeah, it was really interesting to learn that philosophy, and I enjoyed I enjoyed it there. Yeah, yeah, I like Montessori stuff. We looked into that for our girls since they're coming from Ethiopia because that they do a good job of kind of like removing the language component mm-hmm. from it. And uh, so, yeah, we looked into those. Those are really good schools. Is that something that you want to get into? You think after you're running, you want to go back into teaching? Yeah, I think either teaching or I'm really interested in coaching, which is why. I jumped on this opportunity to start coaching with Run Free um, because that's also been an interest of mine for a long time now. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And you can, like, do both too, right? It's like you can coach and teach at the same time. Yeah, um, they go hand Yeah, totally. So so I understand you're uh, – I think people also find this interesting for maybe first-time marathoners or marathoners or runners who are thinking about running their first marathon – you're currently training for your first marathon, correct? Yes. <laughs> and how is that going? It's going well so far. I am just starting to. So when they officially made the announcement that the Olympics are postponed and we kind of knew that there wouldn't really be much of a track season, then um, I hadn't taken a break since August. So Coach Fox said, "Let's why don't we just shut it down and do a week completely off and then do two more weeks of just kind of real easy mileage. So last week was my first week doing, um, getting back to workouts and like a true long run. Um, so we're still very much in the building phase right now. You know, my legs are still feeling great. So I'm coming off that break. You know how you just feel so poppy when you're doing, you know, three quarters of the mileage you're normally at and whatnot. I'm like, I'm just embracing it because I know once I get up into that new territory of the marathon mileage, I won't be feeling that way anymore. Yeah, totally. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm going to be super curious though to follow you as you train for this because my experience was coming off of like really focused, intense track work and then transitioning to marathoning. Like I actually felt amazing in the marathon training and had like one of my best marathon buildups, like fresh off the track work. So I'd be really curious to check back in with you as you get further and further down the line with this and um, see how you're feeling. Cause I imagine you're going to go up above a volume that you've typically done before. I know you said you have, you know, usually training around 85 miles per week. Do you know what the rough plan is in terms of mileage that you're hoping to get up to um, we haven't talked too much about it yet, but I would guess it'll be similar to the buildup that the men on our team did for the trials. And I think they peaked out around 110. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's that's plenty. Um, I think a lot of it comes back to quality over quantity of mileage. So, yeah, you can definitely get it done off that for sure. Yeah. So, um, Paige, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned taking a break a week off. Um, before you start your marathon training. And this can be something that is a little bit surprising to not so much the pro runners, because I feel like pro runners kind of know, like, you got to take a break. I know for myself personally, every time I tried not to take a big break and get out of shape, it never went well for me the next six months. So um, maybe can you share a little bit about, like, your perspective and, like, I think I've always said it takes confidence to rest and to take time off. Like, what is it like for you? You know, this podcast is all about internally what's going on in your mind and your heart. What's it like for you? How do you frame that rest period so that you're able to like take a full week off and not be like mentally freaking out that I'm losing all my fitness when I come back, I'm going to be terrible. And you know how that can go sometimes when you take breaks. So what's that like for you internally um, when you're taking that week off? Yeah, it is, it is difficult. And I think especially this 
even this past, you know, normally after a, a hard season, I think we only took a week this time because I, it's not like I had, you know, build up to racing at the Olympic track trials or anything as planned where I'm sure I would have taken a full two weeks had we gotten into the more intense training and the big racing. But um, even just this, this break where I only had a week, um, it was challenging, you know, because especially during this quarantine time, it's like, what well, the only thing to do was running and now I'm, I'm uh, having to take this time off. But it is, I've found just so important. I think it is for, it is obviously very important physically, but I've learned just mentally um, how important it is as well, because I have, experience I think for the first time I started to experience it this past um, summer when I I had like peaked for NCAAs in June and then um, USA championship was so much later than usual with worlds not being until October so um, getting ready to race again for that end of July I was really pumped up and excited but I I started to feel like um, you know like early July I had like one last kind of really good steeple race and then I think too a part of it was I was doing so much traveling around to different groups trying to figure out where I wanted to train um, professionally so I'm sure that contributed to it as well but I was just starting to feel that mental fatigue of like I don't think I can keep this up much longer and started to notice that um, you know going into USA's where I just wasn't I wasn't quite as mentally sharp or like as motivated as I typically am and I just for the first time really I think in my life felt like I okay I really really need this um two weeks off um so I don't think you ever want to get to that point um in your training and I think that's why it's so important when you do have those breaks even you know like I just said right now it was tough because I didn't just run some championship race and there was no like all right, I trained for this peak race and now I get my break. It was just like all of a sudden I had this break and I didn't feel like um, it had been planned or it was something I really needed. But when you get them, you just, you have to take them seriously. Um, if not just for your physical health, but yeah, your mental health as well. Yeah, totally. And I find that like after I take the break, like my level of motivation and like how fired up I am about training just like goes through the roof after taking that time off, you know? So it's a great time to just kind of like bottle up all that like excitement and energy and then you can let it out when you start training again. Yeah, I agree. I feel that same way. Yeah. So going back to like this last season, you know, everyone has kind of experienced what you've experienced with like training really hard with like a big spring summer in mind. And then all of that just got kind of pulled out on, you know, from all of us. So how did you mentally navigate that when things were, you know, all of a sudden they're starting to cancel a few races here and there. And then pretty soon it's like, you know, they're canceling everything. Did you go through a period of kind of like quote unquote morning where it was really, really difficult. And like, if so, like, how did you kind of, uh, mentally, emotionally handle um, having your season just pulled out from under you? Yeah, it was really challenging at first, for sure. Um, you know, especially, I think yeah, everyone felt this way, being an Olympic year, it's something you you look forward to for so long. I was in Eugene in 2016 to watch those trials, and um, I just, I had so much fun watching that and was so inspired and just remember thinking like, man, I, I can't wait to be there in 2020 competing. So really it's been something I've been looking forward to since 2016 and now being like, man, it's a, it's a whole nother year, but, um, just trying to see it as an opportunity to now I have a whole nother year to get stronger and I have the opportunity to try something like the marathon that I didn't think I would try this early on in my career. Um, and just, I think day to day, the motivations kind of ebbed and flow right, ebbed and flowed right now, just because some days I do feel like, man, like it's just, everything's so uncertain. Is there really any purpose to what I'm doing right now? Um, but I'm just, you know, keeping in mind, like, this training is going to make me stronger. Like the racing is going to come back. We don't know when, but um, everything that we do now does have a purpose and will contribute to whenever we get to compete. 
Yeah, totally. That sense of purpose is so powerfully motivating when it comes to training. And I think you guys made a brilliant call, actually, like trying out a fall marathon. Um, I've seen uh, more so on the women's side than the men's side, but so many pro um, women go to the marathon and then come back and just pop it on the track, you know, running sub like Jen Ryan's, for example, went to the marathon, came back, and then she's running sub 15 for 5k after that. Like, it seems like going to getting that strength, that threshold strength that's developed during marathon training and in the marathon pays off on the track. So I think, I think you guys really made a wise decision there. And you're definitely like making the most of this season when there are no races, you know, in the immediate future. Now you can just cut out a nice huge block, have a great marathon buildup, hopefully go pop your first marathon. And then, uh, and then who knows what's going to happen on the track for you after that. I'm, I'm really excited. I think you guys, we're, we're really wise in your training approach. So I'm excited to follow that. Yeah. Um, so going, going back to, I'm curious about this. So when I came out of college, there's kind of this like perception of like, when you go to the marathon, like that's basically like the beginning of the end of your career. <laughs> right. So it's like, you don't do that unless like you're done on the track, you're never going to run faster than that on track. And then Dathan Ritzenheim, he went to and ran New York, like pretty fresh out of his uh, college experience. And he went pro like a year early, but, um, you know, pretty young. I think he was like 23 when he ran his first marathon. So I'm curious now, you know, like I'm still involved on the pro circuit, but like for yourself, what's your perception of kids coming out of college and running a marathon within the first year or two after um, graduating college? Yeah, I think if it's, I think it's got to be something you want to do, right? Obviously, because the training is so intense and um, you have to put so much work in. But I, I think like the more I thought about it, like you said, like there's so many examples of people who go and do the longer distances, and then when they drop back down, they just they have this newfound strength. Um, and in my opinion you know, as long as you stay healthy doing it, I don't think it's going to hurt me in the long run. And I don't see any reason why I can't drop that down, you know, and run a fast 10k or 5k in the future. Yeah, totally. And I think, uh, you know, the perception when I was coming out was like, you only get like two or three shots at the marathon before you start going downhill. Like there's this magical number of how many marathons you can run before you start like tanking, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that was really coming from because guys were coming to the marathon so late towards the end of their career that they're already like coming down the back half of their career, you yeah. know? And then I think the other thing that really contributes to that. And as I look back at my marathon and career was you get too far away from track fit and your marathon really takes a hit from that. So I think I, I, I'm curious to follow people like yourself who are going to the marathon, but then they're going back to the track and keeping that 5k, 10k fitness close to their marathon um, strength. And then I don't see any reason why you can't keep progressing in the marathon, similar to like what Sarah has done, for example, which is why you know, we spend so much time working on 5k fitness and for our run free athletes, like that's a, our big approach, right? Is like run a marathon, take a break, get in some general mileage and then start 5k training, which was something that, you know, I learned from Terrence Mahan, my favorite and my favorite and first coach um, professionally who, who definitely brought me up in the marathon. That was always his approach and uh, worked, you know, pretty well for me, but I think I needed to even spend more time, like not do a spring marathon and just do track training for like six eight months so that I could develop that 5k uh, training. Cause for me, like the 5k stuff never came naturally. So I had to always like spend way more time working on that if I was going to get in good 5k shape. So um, I think it's going to work really well for you, how you guys are doing it. And like I said, I think it's going to set you up really well um, for the Olympic trials. So going back to uh, marathon and being a first time marathoner, I know a lot of our listeners, if they haven't run a marathon, there's a lot of like nervousness, right? That comes to approaching both the training and the race of the marathon. Um, can you talk to that? Do you have any of those, like being on this side of the marathon, having never run one, like what kind of things are you nervous about when it comes to training racing? And then on the flip side of that, like, what are you really excited about um, with the marathon in terms of training and racing? Yeah. Um, I think something that's kind of interesting about me, it's been 
um, something my coach has been trying to figure out, you know, why is this um, about me is I seem to be able to just run forever. Like long runs are um, probably my favorite day of the week. And I'm just so good at just going out there and being able to really run pretty quickly for 15, 16 mile long run. Um, but then these, you know, the tempo or threshold runs that are such a staple of marathon training um, are really something that have, has always been really difficult for me. I don't, I don't know why that is. Um, I think maybe a part of it is that in, um, in high school, I never did any of that kind of training. It was just a lot of like fast speed stuff on the track. Um, and then even in college, like we did do some tempo work at Syracuse, but a lot of it was more like Bartlicks up this, we had this, um, road called sweet road that just went uphill for uh, about six miles. It was around 10 K and we would do a lot of Bartlicks on there. So it was rarely, um, I rarely did those like straight five or six mile, uh, tempo efforts. And so they're kind of almost still new to me. And they just mentally are so challenging. And I'm like, just give me a fart lick. I, I average quicker usually on any kind of fart lick that I'm given than I do for these like straight tempos. I am getting better at them. Um, even like right before I took my break, I think I had probably had my best um, tempo that I've had since getting to Virginia but so I know that's that's something I need to continue to improve on and they're just going to keep getting longer. So that is something that I'm not super looking forward to. But at the same time, um, I love working on my weaknesses. So I'm looking forward to kind of just figuring that out, uh, why that is that I, I love those long runs. And um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I find sometimes that it's easier for me to hit the paces that I'm trying to run in those tempo runs when I am like 10 or 12 miles into a long run. I'm like, well, why does this feel so, so easy now? But when I'm like fresh going into those workouts, it seems so challenging sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I think that's actually a really good sign. Like when we were doing marathon training, we do these marathon simulations where you run like 10 to 12 miles, pretty brisk, pretty like medium pace, right? Like my like a marathon pace plus one minute per mile. So you're moving along and uh, then we start doing threshold work after that. And we always knew we were in good marathon shape when we could run like the same pace for those the back half of those marathon simulations as we could when we were fresh for threshold runs. So Maybe that's a good sign that you're already heading in that marathon fitness zone. I hope so. <laughs> so let's go back to those thresholds because I think this is not an uncommon experience for people. Um, thresholds are challenging for everyone for sure. And yet so, so important. I think what's exciting about thresholds is you can keep improving on them for so long. Like, I feel like there is like a time frame when it comes to track fitness, when it comes to sprint speed, where like it's very difficult to keep getting better when say, and you're nowhere near these numbers, but when you're up into your 30s and mid 30s, it gets very difficult to get faster, you know, but with threshold work, you know, you just see women, I mean, Sarah is a good example of this 37 and, you know, in the best shape that she's ever been in threshold wise. So the cool thing about threshold work is you can just keep getting better at it, but it takes, a, I feel like, a lot of patience you know it's not oftentimes not something that like overnight just like shoots way up way up but it can be you know everyone's story is different everyone's experience is different when it comes to threshold work but um the mental component of it that you touched on is very real and probably the biggest challenge of doing threshold work so when you find yourself in those moments those you know when you're three quarters of the way into your threshold and it's that kind of dull pain that's been getting just progressively like worse and worse throughout the run and you're starting those negative thoughts are starting to pop into your mind how do you navigate those moments how do you press on and, and run those thresholds well um I think a lot of it well just to kind of motivate myself to keep working hard is visualizing whatever next big race I have coming up um a lot of times I'll tell myself just to focus on the mile that I'm in. Um, shout out to your your book. <laughs> there you go. That's great advice for tempo work, especially, you know, once they keep getting longer, it's just so important to be present and 
just focus on the, you know, our coaches will be out on the roads and they usually drive from the one, you know, mile mark to mile mark. So I'll just think, you know, like just get to the next point the coaches are at um, and try not to think about how much longer that I have, or even just like, all right, I see that, that hill coming in the distance and just focus on climbing the next hill, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's some good advice right there. It's, I think worrying about what's ahead is sometimes worse than like the actual pain we're going through, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, staying, staying present. I love that. And visualization. Um, these are all things that, that we definitely talk a lot about on run free. Um, so now, this has all been super interesting. Like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to follow your marathon training and marathon race. And, uh, but I want to go back in your story. Let's let's go back to uh, Paige as a little girl. I know you were into, you said gymnastics, right? How did you get into gymnastics? Um, so I started off uh, dance, actually. I think when I was three years old, my mom put me in ballet. And uh, my favorite part of ballet was at the very end, they would just put on a song and kind of let us do freestyle. And I would just be cartwheeling all over the place and I think at one point, one of the teachers just said to my mom, you know, you may just consider putting her in gymnastics since the her favorite part seems to be a tumbling at the end. Um, so my mom switched me over then. And I did gymnastics, I guess, for about 10 years. I think from when I was about four until I was 14. Yeah, but dang, that's crazy. So do you still have, like, I'm curious, like, carryover strength from that? Like, can you still do, like, a whole bunch of pull-ups? Yeah, I think so. I always say that I would love to put um, my kids in gymnastics in the future. If there's any sport, you know, I don't want to force them into to anything they don't want to do, of course. But um, I think that gymnastics just gives you such a foundational strength for to go into, like, any sport after that, um, you know, just – whole body strength and yeah I can I've always been that person that people are like why can you do so many pull-ups um they're just like <laughs> crazy you know hold being able to hold planks for a ridiculous amount of time stuff like that where I'm like yeah I think a lot of it goes back to those gymnastics days yeah what's your what's your current pull-up count at? I'm curious um so the most I can do right now is 10 10 that's solid that's really good for a runner I remember uh I was I was in a hotel gym I think it was one of Sarah's races and there was like like some of the best Ethiopian guys in the world were there and they walked into the gym and they hopped on a treadmill and he had like his full-on like gear you know it's like warm in the gym and he's got like all this stuff on he busts out like like a mile super hard on the treadmill I was like what's this guy doing he's got a race tomorrow and then and he hops off the treadmill, goes over and does like some of like the most weak sauce pull-ups you've ever seen in your life, like two or three of them. Um, but then he goes on to like run super fast the next day in the half marathon and won the race and stuff. But yeah, it's it can be it can be comical watching runners do pull-ups. I know that was not my forte when I was in the sport. And not, probably not all that necessary, right? Like it's kind of nice to, to be able to retract your shoulders and for like that kind of proper form they were looking for, but it's probably not a whole lot of other carryover between pull-ups and running. It's, true. it's really just more bragging rights than anything, I think. Yeah, right. You should you should do that sometimes, you know, when the fellas are feeling all strong and macho, go over there and just find a, a branch, bust out 10 pull-ups <laughs> on and let them try and match you. <laughs> so, um, all right, cool. So, gymnastics then how did you find running how did you get into it uh yeah so then besides gymnastics I also was um, big into soccer like many runners and also played softball for a long time but um there were these meets in locally that was called the Hershey track and field games I think they still have them um where it was like you started just racing people within your city and then if you won there you would race people you know from probably a couple different counties and then if you won the race there you get to go on to the state meet and then there was the national meet that was in Hershey Pennsylvania um so I started doing that I think when I was like nine or ten and really just liked doing it because if you made the state meet you got a free ticket to Hershey Park so it was a my way of uh, getting my parents to take us to 
to Hershey Park every summer. <laughs> that was initially motivating me to do those meets. Um, but I always enjoyed them, and like I definitely, you know, found myself on the soccer field, just never getting tired. And um, somebody approached my mom at one of those Hershey track meets and just kind of mentioned that they were trying to start a junior high cross country team at um, the local Catholic high school. And I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through eighth grade. So they were trying to get some seventh and eighth graders out to start a junior high team. Um, and I remember her asking me about it and me just being like, what in the world is cross country? Like, that sounds so dumb. Like, no, I'm just going to keep playing soccer. I have no interest. And then it's funny because my boyfriend now we've been dating, um, for eight years since I was a, a sophomore in high school, but I had a crush on him since probably like fifth or sixth grade. And I found out that his name's Cody. I found out that Cody was going to do cross country and I was like, well, I guess if Cody's doing it, it can't be, can't be stupid. <laughs> so, if I'm being completely honest, that's that's why I gave cross country a try in seventh grade. But I pretty quickly found that I liked it for other reasons than just. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So, so is Cody still running? What's what's going so on? So Cody, Cody ran through high school, um, and then he went to Penn State, and then in, at Penn State, he started playing ultimate frisbee. Um, he got really into ultimate frisbee and he's played ultimate now for um, a couple different club teams and a professional team. And he actually, he got to compete over in Australia two years ago for the frisbee world championship. Um, Wow. Nice. That's awesome. That's cool. That's actually, so one of the games we play, um, well, when I was coaching high school, I'd have the kids play this sometimes, but uh, Jim Ryan's running camp now. It's uh, the running co-op with Drew Ryan. We, that's one of our games that we play with the kids like every single day is Ultimate Frisbee. So that's that's a good one for runners to transition into. Yeah, sure. yeah. We spent a lot of time playing it at pasta parties in high school. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's that's awesome. I didn't know there was a world champs for that. I'm going to have to, gonna have to yeah. tune in for that. <laughs> um, hold on. So there – there's a city named Hershey. Yeah, there is. Oh, you're blowing my mind right now. And so Hershey Park, like I just picture like pools of chocolate and you just go swimming in it. Like what is, what is so Hershey there's Park? A park, the amusement park, uh, which is just, you know, your standard roller coasters and all the different rides. And they also have a zoo there. And then next to the amusement park, it's, there is a place called Chocolate Worlds and it is pretty great. There's like, whoa chocolate everywhere wow. and there's a ride you go on that tells you all about how they make it and whatnot and I've probably been on that ride over a hundred times at this point um our <laughs> high school cross-country state meet was also in Hershey so I've spent a good uh, <laughs> man I need to, I need to hit yeah. that up I'm putting that I'm moving that up towards the top of my bucket list right now especially in the off season like right after Sarah's marathon I'm, I'm going there not that I'm running a marathon but if I'm looking to put on a few I'm gonna go there and take take it out of the park yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so so how did uh how did your progression in running look in high school like I'm particularly interested in like your training um how you built as you're getting into the sport some of our listeners you know they're just just new to running and looking to like take some tips away from like all right how do I like build in a practical a wise and a successful manner so what did that look like for you in high school yeah my high school um it it was really like pretty low mileage and um just a lot of fun uh I think you know, I probably could have run a lot faster in high school had we done more, but I'm really grateful for the experience that I did have because I think it's one of the reasons I had so much room to grow in college and um, just, uh, you know, I think it's important to to not overdo it when you are younger. Again, even if it's just so you're not mentally burnt out. Um, but I think it's so interesting because I don't think there is one right way to do it, right? I think what um I've read a lot of what Sarah um has talked about with just like her high school training and she was just so self-motivated you know she talks about going out there and doing those two-hour runs um on the weekends and 
So I don't, I don't want to say like, oh, you, you shouldn't do, you know, I really never did more than 30 miles. And I think it worked out well for me. But at the same time, I think, you know, if, if some high school athlete is motivated to train really hard and put more mileage in, I think as long as there's someone monitoring it and, you know, they're, they're not getting burnout and they, you know, making sure that that fire is still going to be there in them when they get to the next level is what matters most. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I love what you said about like having it be fun, you know? And so like, like for example, Sarah, like for her, it was super fun to like go out in the hills of Annadale close to her house and go for these two hour runs, like and train like crazy. Like that was fun for her, you know? But if you, like you said, you take a kid who that's not fun for them. You have them do that. Like that's me a recipe for disaster, like mentally and physically, you know? So I think uh, that's, that's really important. It's just really fun for kids for sure. So um, kind of going on uh, with high school. So like, what was your progression like from say like freshman year, sophomore year? Like, um, did you see pretty rapid improvement as you got into the sport or is it more gradual? Was there ups and downs? Like what did your kind of path of progression? Look yeah, my like? freshman year, I think I shocked a lot of people, including myself. I remember going into cross country um, thinking like my biggest goal was to break 20 minutes in the 5k and our very first meet in August, I ran 1848 and it was just like, oh, wow. okay, I guess I've got to adjust my goals now. Um, and yeah that that first season I just um really just kind of you know we had those like your dual meets every week and I just found them so fun I loved I loved cross country because I loved how you were just out in the woods and every course was so different and I was getting to see all these different parts of areas that are so close to my my home city that um but you still just feel like there's such new territory that you're like, wow, this is, you know, 15 minutes away from home and I never knew it existed. And so, yeah, I just loved um, getting out there on the trails and seeing all those new places. And, um, but I still loved like, just like hammering all of those dual meets, you know, I would go out and just try to set a new course record every, every Wednesday. And so I think I set like probably 10 or 12 records there my freshman year. And then, um, just kind of same thing, like made it to States and had no idea what my goal should be or what to expect. And I remember just like being um, on the starting line with, I think, you know, it's like around three or 400 women and just thinking like, okay, if I finish top 100, that would be great. And then two miles in, I found myself in first place and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I ended up getting out kicked in that final like 200 meters and came in second. Um, so that was really, really crazy for me. And then track season, um, I think, you know, I had in those like Hershey track meets I talked about, I think I'd maybe run around 540 for the mile in my freshman year. I ran like 503 um, and wow. just under 11 minutes, maybe around 1055 for the 3200. Um, and I think, yeah, a lot of it was just in middle school, you know, I never – I never really trained. Um, I think going into some of those Hershey track meets, maybe like a week before I'd start to get nervous and be like, dad, can you take me over to the track? Like, I just want to run a hard 800 to make sure I can still do that. Um, <laughs> but then getting into high school, even though, like I said, I was so low mileage, it's like when you go from doing nothing to doing 30 miles a week, it's still, you know, you're going to see a huge improvement in your, in your fitness. So, um, yeah, I had a really solid freshman year. And then my sophomore year, I definitely went through some of those just developmental changes that girls do in high school. So I would say it took me probably, honestly, until my senior year, until I like fully had come out on the other side of that and felt like I was you know, stronger than I had been as a freshman and had really um, adjusted to my new body. So sophomore and junior year weren't by any means, like terrible years, I still had um, some great races, but I didn't really uh, improve much on my times until my senior season. But then um, my senior year was, you know, so exciting to finally be like, all right, like, this is really cool. You know, I just, I just had to wait it out and like, be patient during that time where I was just getting used to my new body and, and that I was able to see like, okay, you, you can be stronger and faster um 
now. Yeah, that I would love to go back and just revisit that for a second. So how would you say, it sounded like you just were really patient during this time of, you know, quote unquote, getting used to your new body. What would you say to girls here in high school and are finding themselves like having a similar experience? How, how would you suggest like they mentally get through this period of, yeah, going through puberty and, and all the things that go along with yeah, that? Yeah, I think during that time, like I just had to try like really hard to not be hard, too hard on myself and um, stay, like I said, stay patient and really just believe like you're going to come out on the other side of it. And it's not fun when you're going through it. I think like, you know, it's fine to be honest and be like, you know, this is really unfortunate. You're watching all your, your guy friends that you were beating when they were like these freshman guys. <laughs> and now they've just gotten bigger and muscular, you know, and like naturally are getting yeah. better and you're going the opposite way um, for the time being. But I think I took like, or I found a lot of joy in just like maybe doing like things like the four by eight or the four by four and really focusing on, you know, like I, um, my sophomore and junior year, like our, one of my biggest goals was to help our four by eight team make it into pen relays, like stuff like that, where it's like, maybe I wasn't seeing as much improvement individually, but I could still like help my team do, um, some cool stuff like that. Um, and I still was, I still was able to like, um, like I said, I ran 503 in the mile my freshman year. And, uh, I think my, uh, sophomore and junior year and senior year every, like all I must have four or five times ran 500 in the mile <laughs> and I was just so <laughs> you know wanted so badly to break five minutes and then finally my senior year at our um our league meet I just remember thinking like all right I'm just gonna go out in like 225 through the 800 so that there's no way I, I can fail if I do that and I <laughs> 456 and I was like so happy it's like all right I can I can be done high school now. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think mainly I would just say like, keep training hard. Um, don't give up and just know that I like promise you for everyone, like um, getting through that time, like you'll always, you'll always be stronger in the future. You just have to keep at it and like, um, yeah, just ride the wave. Yeah, that's so good. It's like, I think kids and what you, it sounds like you did a good job of is really holding on to hope. And you mentioned hope of coming out the other side, knowing that you're going to get stronger. And yeah, that allows you to like stay motivated to keep training and be like, eventually, I'm going to be stronger for it. So that's cool. That's, that's an encouraging, inspiring story, especially I think for you know, girls are going through the same thing. I have, you know, girls of my own that are also on the same journey. And we're actually training them to try to break five minutes on the mile as well. We're going to head down to Phoenix on Friday and take our first swing at it. But, um, man, it means so much more when you've tried a bunch of times, gotten super close and just missed it. And then you finally hit it. And it's like the best feeling in the world. So I can only imagine how you must have felt when you ran that 456. Yeah, That's cool. So a couple things uh, that you touched on that I think would be helpful for people to hear about. Talk about goals a little bit. So I, you know, you mentioned like having the goal in the starting line, being like, if I can get top hundred, that'd be amazing. And then finding yourself like in the lead and losing in a kick. So like, that is like the exact opposite of me where I'm like the kid who's like, I'm going to like win the world championships my first year of running, you know, like super big dreamer, like really like, sometimes like un totally unrealistic goals you know so it sounds like that really worked to your advantage to have like really attainable goals and maybe they didn't seem that easily attainable at the time when you set them um but can you talk a little bit about your approach not only then when you're in high school but now currently you know as you're coming up more and more in the sport and running professionally what is your approach to goals how do you set them um yeah, can you just talk a little bit about goals and kind of having a healthy um, way to set yeah, goals? Yeah, I think um, I at Syracuse, I really found that the culture there was like, if you work hard, you can do anything. And like, you should always be striving um, to be the best and to win when you are on the starting line of, of any race. And obviously, like, you know, I didn't believe you know, every race that I ran in college on the starting line that I was, I was going to win. Um, but 
always like just working to be the best version of yourself. Um, and uh, I just, I saw that in my teammates, you know, especially when I was coming into Syracuse, the men were just coming off winning their cross country national championship. And uh, you were just able to see how hard they were working every day together. And every time like any of them towed the starting line, um, they, they were giving it their all. And that was just so inspiring to see. And um, one of our mottos at Syracuse was TCB, which is stands for take care of business. Um, and that's kind of um, what the coaches would tell us going into any of our races, just like, you know, trust, trust that you've put in the work and the race is the fun part. You just get to, to go out there and, and take care of business. Um, but something else I'll say is that um, kind of a, a mind switch that I had was during my junior year cross country season, which was my first cross country season running for Syracuse. Um, my, one of my good friends who actually was my teammate at the former university I had attended Lipscomb, she sent me a text and um, it was um, the Bible verse Romans eight thirty seven, which is we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Um, and she basically just said like, go out and just like, don't focus on a place or a time, but just focus on, you know, running um, as fearlessly as possible. And for some reason, you know, that just really like lit a fire in me that day. And really like, I just like really connected with that. And um, I just went out and was like, yeah, like, you know, like I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me and like God is for me. And if I'm doing it, you know, just for the love of him and like wanting to use this great gift he's given me, like, what do I have to fear? You know, like this is just, this is a competition. And like at the end of the day, we do this just for fun. So like, I don't have to fear like failure or like, not hitting the place or time that I want, but I'm just really going to go out there and be as fearless as possible. And I had a really great race that day. I, I um, unfortunately ended up missing making nationals for cross country. It was the regional race and I missed nationals by I think two hundredths of a second. Uh, it was a big bummer, oh, but wow. I still like as unfortunate as that was, it was just, I was able to, um, take so much away from that day because um, that was the first time I really felt like I know this is going to sound funny because uh, this is called run free training but I was like what I when I explained that day to my teammates I would say I really just felt like I was running totally free for the first time ever um, and then kind of cool um, fast forward to the end of that year in track I ended up making nationals in the steeplechase by 200ths of a second, that same margin that I'd missed by in cross country. Um, that was really sweet. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. What are the chances of that? That's pretty slim in man. That's crazy. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So that was, I mean, you answered one of my future questions I had is like, like uh, one of the things that you've had to work really hard to get free from, it sounds like that is, you know, free of the fear of failure, which man, don't we all deal with that one? Right. And it's so gratifying. We do get free of that. And it's funny how, like when you get free of something internally, how externally that gets manifested physically in your body, you know, and you perform better. So is that, is that something for you that you have to continue to revisit now as a pro runner, like before every race or just when it pops up or how do you continue to cultivate this um, mindset of being not afraid to fail, being more than conquerors. How do, what does that look yeah, like for, for you? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, spending time in the word and prayer before every race is something that's really important to me to get in that, that mindset to be ready to go. Um, another verse, you know, since then that I came upon that I just love is, um, I think it's 2 Corinthians twelve nine, where it's for your grace is sufficient. Um, and your power is made perfect in weakness and uh, goes on to say like for when I'm weak then I'm strong and I've really just um, taken that as like okay like in those moments you know when else do we go into such like a deep pain cave or like suffering than when you're in those like hardest places in a race and then having to just embrace that and be yeah. like when I am at my weakest I am at my strongest because that is when God's strength kicks in 
and just, you know, starting to kind of like, even in workouts, that's something that I try to think about is like, I want to, like, I just want to welcome that, that pain and that suffering, that part when it gets so hard, because I know that's when God takes over. Um, something I try to remember totally. going into every race. Yeah. So when you're, when you're in those moments, what, what thought is going through your mind? Like, are you pulling through a mantra? Or are you just thinking about like, I know like God's grace is sufficient for me in this moment. Like, is it, does it, is it very a lot? I know for myself when I'm in that moment, you know, it might be one thing one day and something else a different day, but are you in a state of prayer as you're racing in those moments? Like what is, if you can remember, like, I know sometimes it's kind of hard to recall, but some of like your actual like thoughts of like, this is actually what's going through my mind when I'm like, deep like in that pain cave like you're talking yeah about. I think it is kind of difficult to remember and I think it does vary like race to race um I've never been super big on mantras but like since listening to some of your podcasts I'm like man I think I could really uh benefit from, from coming up with some good ones before some of my bigger races in the future um just having those to call on I'm sure is super helpful um but I, I definitely go into this like states of prayer I think they're like very brief you know because we're like they're very brief when you are already in those like such like painful moments but just like kind of a quick like call on God and just like knowing like okay I know you're with me um and just thinking about like you know this is this is how we glorify him and I think that's so cool is like he's glorified in those moments where we are at our weakness um and it's like that's when we are able to just like testify and say like you know I was able to do that by God's strength and um I just think that's that's something that's so cool um or one of the coolest parts about our sport totally it's like if you don't go to that spot of being in such need and being so desperate for God to show up and strengthen you like there's no other way to experience that right like if you're never in that position you it's gonna be very difficult to experience God meeting you in those moments and providing the strength and the grace necessary to get through those moments so I I'm right with you that's that's what I continue to love about sports whether you know I'm lifting in the gym or running or coaching um, it is like that's those are beautiful moments when we have to draw on something way outside of ourself, you know, and yet it's something that's within ourselves at the same time. So really cool to experience those. Do you find that uh, you have gotten better at handling these pain moments? Um, or do you find that, you know, you've kind of gotten to a certain level and have had similar experiences as you've kind of come up in this sport? Yeah, I think I think I've noticed um, an improvement there for sure. Um, as I've matured in the sport. Um, and I think too, just going back to, like I said, kind of pre-race, making sure I have that time with God and like centering myself and just, I've noticed, um, some races where you just, I just don't feel like, um, like as prepared or like mentally ready going in. And it's like, I don't know then you can and then like that carries into the race and I'll be like man like I kind of knew going in that I wasn't quite uh where I needed to be uh mentally and yeah I don't know like for sure um if that's just like because I don't think it's necessarily comes from like I have to have this exact routine going into every single race you know, I don't think doing necessarily the same thing all the time is what's going to like mentally turn you on to be ready. But um, I think just over time, finding what works for you and then, yeah, trying to stick to somewhat of uh, somewhat of a routine of whether it is like, yeah, prayer or like spending time in the word or, you know, listening to some pump up music, um, just finding those different ways to prepare yourself mentally is so important to figure out what works totally yeah it's it's interesting how it's like a combination of like like months and months of preparation and then it can be also like just the moments before you go to warm up you know and like you're saying like whether that's prayer or listening to pop-up music like there's you got to kind of have both you know it's not like you can't do anything to prepare your spirit for six months and then like crash course five minutes before the race and go all right time to get my spirit right you know it's like 
you got to have both. It kind of reminds me of the story of like Jesus when his disciples were trying to cast a demon out of a demon possessed man and they couldn't cast it out. And they're like asking Jesus, like, how come we couldn't cast it out? Cause Jesus came and just casted it right out. And he's like, this kind only comes mm-hmm. out by prayer and fasting. And it's like saying like, you know, obviously Jesus is being like, Oh, there's a demon. This guy better start fasting. Right. Like the fasting was something that happened over a period long before that moment. Right. So it's like that training of the spirit within that last, you know, within like a lifetime pays off when we get to those moments. And sometimes there are moments that come up in training or racing and we're not even like gearing up towards them. It's just all of a sudden we're confronted with it. And we prepared our spirits for like months and months. We can draw on that, you know, and, and get get through those moments and, and be able to access the strength and power necessary in those moments. So I, I love I love your approach there. So uh, just going one more question mm-hmm. on the pain cave because this is one of my personal favorite things to talk about and i love hearing how other people get through it do you ever so one thing that you know you mentioned mantras and not having used those a lot in the past but maybe using those in the future one of the things that i like about those is i find that it gets really hard for me to think when i'm hurting really bad and so i'm curious like not just from the mantra end of things but do you ever just like turn your brain totally off when you're really suffering. And yeah, for sure. That's what, that's what I was going to say too, is like kind of after those moments where or I can think of a lot of times in races where, you know, I have like quickly kind of called on God and just recognized that I needed his strength in that moment. But then I would say the next thing that happens is just, yeah, like a blank mind. Um, something that happens I think, <laughs> yeah. too in workouts, you know, at times when you're, you're really digging. And like you said, that those like years of doing that in work preparing for races is what kind of gets you ready to experience totally and it's also like kind of entering into a state of stillness right it's like ryan holiday he wrote this really great book that i listened to on tape recently called stillness is the key i think that's it he has like a couple different versions of that but i think it's stillness is the key is the name of the book really good read if you guys get a chance um, check it out but it's like entering that moment of stillness and uh how powerful it can be when you're in that moment and beautiful it is to experience life when everything just kind of like slows down in that moment and there is like nothing going on in your mind it's um i don't think i think sometimes it's easy to look at those moments like oh i gotta be like thinking the perfect thought and pulling on the perfect mantra but like sometimes i think we just have to have grace for ourselves to like no, just like let my mind be blank, let it be still, and like I can access power and strength in the stillness. You know, it's like God talks about His presence yeah. being in the stillness. You know, so um, again, yeah, so many different ways to handle those pain moments. I think it's really interesting to talk about. I always love love hearing about other people's experiences. Um, so we've taken quite a bit of your time here, Paige. I really appreciate it. I want to end uh, with this. I love to ask this question to people that talk to you on the run free podcast and that is this if you could go back and talk to Paige as she's getting into running what advice what helpful tips have you learned so far in your journey um kind of in each each one of our categories so let's start out um in the nutrition category if you could go back and talk to yourself what advice would you give yourself regarding nutrition I think one of the biggest things I would say would be that it doesn't have to be perfect. I think sometimes I tend to be a perfectionist um, at times. And then like I've noticed, you know, at different times in high school or college where I get so caught up on like trying to perfect my nutrition and then just, you know, no one can obtain that like perfect diet all the time. And then, you know, I would, fall off doing whatever and then it would be like oh well you know so I'll just give up entirely on like trying to eat healthy um but just you know finding a balance and really and finding ways I think something that's been really important for me is finding um you know I've always had like a a super um uh sweet tooth so uh in high school I would eat like uh you know just like the canned frosting by the spoonful which is obviously, you know, not good. Um, so I've had to find ways over the years to make healthier sweet treats, but I've found like, there's so many ways to just make such like 
good desserts that are still, you know, like your chocolate pancakes or something that I've uh, made for a long time that really, you know, that feels like you're, you're eating a brownie and that really, you know, there's other ways to satisfy that, right. that sweet, you know, the can of frosting. Totally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that though. It's yeah. good to so the I point, say, you know, you weren't messing like, around. And yeah, but at the same time, you know, like give yourself room to have the the real cupcake or cookie when you when you want it. It doesn't have to be this perfect diet all the time. Totally, yeah, that's so good. I feel you. I'm like yeah. I'm like an all or nothing kind of guy, so um, I think I have a lot of the same tendencies you're talking about. And then also too, it's just like just put that like sweet in the right time you know it's like if you eat that right after your workout like it's not going to go to fat you know like you're going to be fine so there's the time for it cool that's a good one uh what about in the training category uh, what's something you've learned in training over um, years that's been super helpful i'd say taking the easy days easy was something that took me a long time to learn i think in high school um we didn't do a ton of hard workouts like i mentioned we would the workouts we did do were usually just like some faster track things, but we, we didn't even do those very often. It was just a lot of like, Hey, go run four or five miles. And I would just go out and try to keep up with the boys, you know, and probably just ran almost every day around like six thirty pace. And so that carried over, I think into college for a long time of just, and it's fun to run fast too. Right. Like, so um, I think it really took me a while to realize like, it's so important to take those, those days after your hard workouts, just so easy. Um, because that is, you know, just as important as running and like hitting those key workouts. Like you don't, you're not going to be fully ready for the next hard effort if you, you didn't take that easy day seriously. So that's something that coach Fox has, uh, said to me for, uh, the last four years, you know, is just slow down page. Like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's so good and that's one where like groups are so great to train in but it can get tricky sometimes because you're out for an easy run and someone's always feeling good right wanting to get after it so it's that you got to really be convinced of that and hold to it and have a lot of self-restraint to take those easy days easy but i love that that's a good one as well all right how about the internal game some maybe uh you know, we've talked a lot about stuff already internally, but um, any any other things that you can think of that have been really helpful for you to navigate nervousness, uh, maybe anxiety when it comes to running, um, any other things that, you know, you've had to kind of break free of um, in your running thus far? Any, um, any tips on that? I think, you know, just a lot of what I've already said. The only thing I'll really add is just like self, like, the, you know, having self-confidence, believing in yourself. I think coming out of high school, like I had some, you know, good enough times to get into division one program, but I, I didn't really believe that I could be one of the best collegiates. And then it took me a long time when I was in college to believe that I would be good enough to run at the professional level. But I think I've come to learn now, like, just don't put any limits on yourself. There's no reason that you, um, you can't make it to that next level or, you know, I'd really just say dream big, you know, why not? You, You don't know what you're capable of. So don't put limits on yourself. Totally. That's a good one. Love it. Um, how about like the 1% category? So lifting, massage, self-massage, stretching, anything that you've learned over the years has been super helpful cool. um, in that category. I'm really, I'm really big on core. I probably do core like five days a week. And um, yeah, that's something that I've been pretty consistent with over the years. And I think that that goes a long way, just spending 10 to 15 minutes after your run doing some good core work. Totally. So you mentioned you can uh, plank for a long time. What's, um, what's your I plank haven't tried to curious? hold a plank um, for a long time now, but I do remember, I think it was freshman year of college. Um, one of my teammates, was like come on I just want to see how long you can do it and I don't remember for sure but I want to say it was maybe like a little over eight minutes <laughs> oh wow so what what gave out was it your I don't core? know that's a good question I think I do remember my arms getting really tired 
Yeah, because I feel like that's the limiter for most runners is like <laughs> shoulders start like shaking as you keep going. All right, cool. Uh, last category, uh, select, select, sleep and rest. Uh, not the two together, but um, anything that you've learned in that category that's been I super helpful for you? I a book for 20, 30 minutes before I go to bed. I need that to, to wind down. Um, television doesn't doesn't do it for me the same way that just like, getting absorbed in a book does I think that really just turns my brain off um right now I'm reading um Roar by Stacey Sims it's um it's like specifically about kind of like women's physiology and or yeah and like nutrition and um for endurance training so uh, a good one to recommend to um, any of the women out there. Nice. Nice. That sounds awesome. Cool. Well, uh, thanks again, Paige. This has been awesome. Really helpful. Great to hear your story. We didn't even make it through your story all the way. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get past the um, high school days. But um, where can people find you on social if they want to continue to follow your story, follow your first marathon prep? I know a lot of people are going to be really interested in how I'm that most goes active for you. Where on can Instagram, you on so I would say on there. And I am at page donor 11. Awesome. All right. Well, Paige, all the best to you in training and health. We are, we're so honored to have you as a coach for run free um our athletes are all raving they're working with you loving loving having you as a coach so thank you for all you do for run free for for our athletes and i look forward to uh next time our paths cross at a future yeah, marathon or race whenever that might be all right bye all right thanks Paige.